My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. I was very active looking into what to do with more money. That was sort of key requisites that you needed for, for your property. And um, looking back now, I think, God, it was a sort of a savvy investment for that location. And I think I paid, what did I pay for it? I would have paid two, 290 and um, I, I nearly would have doubled it, which was really, yeah, really pleasing. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with NRL superstar Jeremy Lattimore. After 11 years playing five different NRL clubs, he retired in 2019 and took inspiration from his property success and became a mortgage broker. He shares what life was like playing professional rugby and how these skills have been invaluable in his property journey. must be a big change of pace going from playing NRL full-time to starting and working in mortgage broking. Now that his days are more desks and field dummy halves, let him all detail us what a typical day looks like for him. Usually I wake up at about 5 o'clock and um, I, my wife goes to the gym then so I try and wake up and read, meditate, journal, get ready to go to the gym. She comes back and then I go to the gym, come home, uh, eat. And then I, I drop one of the kids, she drops one of the kids because my daughter likes going with her and I drop my son. Uh, then, then generally, yeah, head to work and try and get as much as I can done in the time I'm at work and go and pick the kids up. Well, me and my wife try and share that. She's got a quite a full-on job. So um, I've had to pick up the slack since I retired from playing rugby league and um, yeah, feed the kids, get them to bed and then try and uh, relax and decompress a little bit. And if I have to um, catch up on some work, I'll, I'll try and do that at night as well. Then yeah, generally I like to try and be in bed by 9.30 but last night I was still staring at the computer at about 10.30 because I've got a fair bit of work on at the moment. It sounds like a full-on household. He explains the growing industry his wife works in and how proud he is of her. She is a marketing manager for Milk Lab so she, she works for Freedom Foods so yeah, she looks after all the plant-based milks so she uh, yeah, she, she's really, really busy with that and um, that's obviously a space which is growing with everyone being a bit more health conscious and sort of moving away from dairy to them sort of products. So yeah, I've, I've got to pick up the slack these days because she sacrificed a lot for me when I was playing rugby league and um, yeah, but she, she's a soldier. She, she obviously goes to the gym at five and yeah, she's non-stop until she sits on the lounge once we get the crazies to bed. There are morning people and night people. Which one would Lattimore describe himself as? 
I'm so programmed to training early. So with playing professional sport, we always sort of did our hard stuff in the morning. So afternoon, say if I got dropped to reserve grade and had to train at Arvo, I always found that so hard to get motivated to, you know, do my day, then go and train in the Arvo. But um, sometimes I, I don't have that chance and I've got to do it in the Arvo. I just have to do it and bite on the mouth guard and get through it. Taking a step back, he delves into his childhood where he grew up in the beginnings of his rugby league career at a young age. So I grew up in Port Macquarie. Um, I actually, when I was 15, I had a year off rugby league. Uh, wanted to be a pro bodyboarder, which didn't eventuate. I was a bit big for the, the bodyboard. But um, yeah, so then in my last year in Port Macquarie, doing, completing my HSC, I, I was lucky enough to get an offer to come to Cronulla Sharks, which I, um, I hadn't signed a contract, but I dislocated my shoulder and had to get a shoulder reconstruction. And they, um, yeah, luckily still offered me the contract. And um, once I finished my HSC in November, moved to Sydney and started training with the Cronulla Sharks under 20s. Port Macquarie has changed a lot over the years, especially in the last two decades. Lattimore describes what it was like when he was growing up. It was a pretty cruisy town back then. These days, it's um, fully transformed and it's a real like, hub. You know, everyone's moving up from Sydney. My, my best mate just sold his property um, last week to a Victorian who, who's moving up. So, you know, it, it's a very popular place. It's a beautiful spot up there. But, um, you know, back in the day, you could, I was rolling around on my bike when I was 12 or 13, riding around town and bodyboarding. So, obviously, their, their memories have just stayed with me forever and, um, you know, all my mates who, who, who were my best mates then are still my best mates now. No, even though I've gone on this journey playing rugby league and played for half the NRL clubs, so I've, uh, you know, I've stayed close with them and love nothing more than getting back there and now having my own children, showing them where I grew, like, grew up. Mum and dad are still in the same property. And, um, yeah, it, it is really cool when I do get up there and take the kids to places I did as a kid because it does bring back some good memories, even going, taking my little boy fishing. Um, me and my old man used to do a lot of that, so we do, we do love that. He goes on to detail what sparked his interest in rugby league and how it led to an offer from a club at just 15 years old. In my under-16 team, we had actually four guys who went on to play for NRL clubs, which is for a small town was unbelievable. So. I wouldn't have even been in the top five best players in the under-16 team, but I ended up playing sort of the most games and had the longest career. But, um, you know, it was just my, my good mates were playing footy and, you know, I didn't take anything too serious as I was younger. And obviously I mentioned I had a year off to go bodyboarding and come back and started getting picked in a few of the local rep teams. And, um, yeah, I really just training and trying to put on some muscle and it was actually one of my best mates. He, he, he was already signed with the Cronulla Sharks and, he asked if I could come down to a training camp and I impressed them and they showed interest. And that was, yeah, just pre me dislocating my shoulder. And obviously, yeah, the rest is history. I still got that contract and then yeah, moved to Sydney after that. He goes on to describe what it was like getting into the club and starting to train with his new teammates while working at the same time. To be honest, when I first moved to Sydney, I didn't really look after my, my shoulder. Like I was like I wasn't the most dedicated to my rehab, so I was really behind the eight ball there. I think I missed the start to that next season in the under-20s and worked my way into that. Like, so I, when you first come into a squad, you, you train in the afternoon and you have to work at the daytime. So I actually worked uh, at Toyota and I was like a male boy there and then I'd go to training in, in the afternoon. Um, so, yeah, I, I just kept working on my game for the rest of that season and um, 
we, we had a really good year. We made the game before the grand final and then got knocked out by the Parramatta Eels, who Jared Hayne was actually a member of then. He would have been about 16 and was carving us up. But um, we, yeah, then anyway, I went back to Port Macquarie and um, got a call from the CEO, the um, Steve Rogers, who told me I'd made the under-19 Australian team, um, which I, I thought it was actually a G up at the start. It was a, it was a real Stephen Bradbury uh like selection because a few of the other boys had pulled out and yeah, I was lucky enough to, you know, my, my progression in that first year was something I never would have foreseen and um, something I still look back on and shake my head because I think of that team, I think there's only one guy in play NRL and at that point there was already six or seven guys who were established NRL players. So it was really surreal to find myself in that environment, but you know, once you get that taste for that sort of level of football, the, the, the hunger really does come come through. Between moving to a new city, starting a new job, and beginning a professional football career, Lattimore's schedule was jam-packed. After that year, I actually got put into full-time training for the preseason. Um, they had like a squad of 40 boys, so there's a few of my like, Jersey Fleet teammates who also come up. So with that, you're, you're five days a week. Um, Generally, if you're carrying a bit extra weight, you have to come in on the Saturday as well and um, try and trim the fat off. But And I was definitely in that after that um, first off-season. I really treated myself. and um, But, you know, you, you, learn, you learn to train and play like a professional. And, you know, even then I look back and I was still on the weekends having big nights and then coming in, sometimes two big nights and coming in on a Monday and having to rip into my training, which... Um, yeah, as I got older, I definitely didn't do that. do that. The body doesn't allow and obviously, yeah, your whole mindset towards, you know, being a professional changes and obviously as you progress into having a family, you, uh, you know, you value different things. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's quite full on in the pre-season because you're doing sort of five weight sessions, like two very big lower body and two very big upper body. At the same time, you're probably on the field five days. So, you know, two of them days are really heavy days. The other two will be sort of speed and ball skill stuff. But um, as a young kid going into that environment, like you're pulling up a bit better, but still when the physicality of the, you know, them established NRL players, you, you really find where you belong and um, there's a pecking order. But, um, you know, the, the journey I did go on through my NRL career really set me up and taught me a lot of things, you know, with my mentality and resilience and even the perseverance I needed to show to, um, you know, get through my rugby league career. Lattimore discusses some of the biggest lessons he learned earlier in the pre-season. Early in my career, you know, I'd, I'd, in the off-season, so you'd get between, when you're younger, you might get five or six weeks off and to when I, my last year before I retired, I'd probably had eight or nine weeks off. So in my early days, I was like, no, I'm going to go train as hard as I can in the off-season. So when I get back in November, I'm going to win everything and impress the coaches. But, you know, in three weeks, I'm completely burning out. Um, because I've trained so hard in the off-season and as you get older, you, you learn that, you know, you've got to keep the body ticking because if you completely stop, that's when you're going to break down when you come back in November. But, you know, you, you know, you learn your body and um, what you need to do to have yourself in decent condition to get back and then in that two to three months before that first trial, just get yourself prepared to um, get through the physicality as well as, you know, the mentally draining uh, six months of the football season. It's tiring just thinking about it, let alone living it. Lattimore definitely demonstrates his mental and physical strength during those years. 
I did that full time in 2006. So pretty well from 2006, I did pre-season every year. Then I went back to part-time in, in the season then first two years um, in 2007, 2008. But then from then on, I trained full-time till I retired in 2019. So I played 11 years actually in the top grade because I didn't debut till 2009. But um, yeah, so a, a long time. And, you know, even when I think now, it was an awesome journey and um, at, at times are you really questioning yourself as a player and, you know, I, I remember, so my, my second year ended up dislocating my other shoulder and had to get a shoulder reconstruction and I got like a free, it might have been a $5,000 offer off um, the Cronulla Sharks to stay um, and just train with the reserve grade and luckily the Parramatta Heels coming in at the last minute made me a decent offer and, um, you know, that full time in the preseason. So, you know, I think things just ended up happening that, um, took me on the journey I did. I ended up playing for five clubs across, you know, that 11 years in the NRL. But, um, you know, I met some fantastic people and opened some great doors for post-rugby league as well. Coming up after the break, Lattimore delves into how he's still involved in the rugby league world and how he's helping real children. You know, a lot, a lot of these country towns is kids who are committing suicide and, um, you know, NRL is really trying to get out there and because rugby league, that, that, you know, it's hard and strenuous and, um, you know, it is very physical, but it teaches you so many skills like that, which, um, you know, I'm trying to ingrain into my kids now as well. And We dive into the beginnings of his property portfolio and how he got started. I had a healthy deposit because I was a bit of a tight ass and had been saving for a while. And um, but obviously, I, I wasn't on great, a great income. I was on an okay income. I was um, down the bottom of the pecking order in the NRL for a long time, though. So um, decided to get into the property market, and um, yeah, it ended up being a really good investment. We discuss his biggest property blunder and what he learned from it. I had a board in Port Macquarie back when I was talk- we were talking about it. My wife and I, we could have um, you know, made some riches because you know, that market just went crazy over that next period of time. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, property investor. Is your cash or equity currently earning you 1% to 2% per annum sitting in the bank? What if I said to you that you can do better? To find out more, simply register your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest to get a high return with low risk on their money for 6 months. Register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Lattimore describes the new off-field role he plays with the St. George Dragons and what it teaches him and in turn teaches his own children. Just last week, I went out um, to Griffith and um, all the surrounding towns out there and as part of the NRL, so the Dragons set me as an ambassador and I went with Luke Lewis from the Cronulla Sharks who's one of my good mates and um, we went around to probably five or six schools a day and um, did some clinics of an afternoon and just went out and spoke about you know resilience and um, leaning on your support networks because you know a lot, a lot of these country towns is kids who are committing suicide and um, you know NRL is really trying to get out there and because rugby league that, that you know it's hard and strenuous and um, you know it is very physical but 
it teaches you so many skills like that, which, um, you know, I'm trying to ingrain into my kids now as well. And even gratitude and um, being grateful for what, 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 what you do have. So, you know, I was lucky enough to go out and do that as part of my ambassador role with the Dragons. I've actually got to go to Mudgee for a few days next week to um, when the boys play the charity shield out there against uh, the South Sydney Rabbitohs next weekend and go, go to a similar thing, go to the schools and um, run some clinics. And also then on the Saturday, we host, fun- host a function and, you know, fans and partners of the club come along and then we go to the game and watch the boys play the trial. And, um, you know, and then also with my role with the Dragons, I do partnership, I'm in the partnerships team. So, you know, liaising with the partners of the football club, um, hospitality, and then on game day, going around and talking to them and, you know, having a beer, but staying on that, keeping your mind on the job. And, uh, you know, it, it's something I'm, you know, I was, I'm really grateful for a small town kid from Portland Quarry, lucky enough to play 11 years in the NRL, trained full time for 15. And I'm still now, I'm retired and I'm, I'm lucky enough to have this role with the football club. But also, you know, I've got this job doing mortgage, mortgage broken, which I love, I'm so passionate about. and. I was, you know, I've owned a lot of property in my time as well. So it's something I'm really passionate about and love helping, you know, helping my, uh, some old teammates, you know, buy properties and stuff now, which is, you know, really good. Young people are growing up with social media at the forefront of their lives. And although this has its positives, it also has its downsides too. Lennon shares his views on this topic. When we're talking about this last week out in the uh, Griffith, they just said, you know, back in the day, if you're getting bullied, you could go home and escape it, but now you can't because social media, there's so many, you know, avenues that bullies can bully kids and it's just with them the whole time, which I I hate it. And that's one thing of social media I really don't like. And there's always going to be people who who are bullies and, um, you know, they're generally people who've had a difficult upbringing or they've got issues in their own life and that's why they do do that. But as a parent, you can definitely relate to this, you know, that's my thing that I really want to protect my kid but I want him to you know it's going to to happen but he's got to have that mental resilience and same as my daughter to be able to you know cop it and realize that they're doing it for reasons that they're not happy with their own life but you know just that social media and you know how people can uh, yeah get get to the kids it is a concern and they think you know that they measure how popular yeah so they they measure whether they're popular by likes they get on Instagram which is you know a load of shit yeah exactly so that's crazy. We can only do what we can. Turning back to his investment journey, Lennamore discusses the first property he bought in the area of the NR team he had just signed with and the highs and lows that came with it. Yeah, look, it was a, a property down in Wollongong. Uh, I just signed with the St. George Dragons in 2012 and um, I had a healthy deposit because I was a bit of a tight ass and had been saving for a while. And um, But obviously, I, I wasn't on great, a great income. I was on an okay income. I was... Um, down the bottom of the pecking order in the NRL for a long time though. So um, decided to get into the property market and um, yeah, it ended up being a really good investment. We sold it a few years ago, but it was sort of at the top of the market. And um, yeah, it, it had its moments though when uh, I think the, the hot water tank was in the roof and it exploded. Um, and um, yeah, there was a couple of other issues. I think I had a few clients that were, uh, sorry, tenants that were partying a bit in the house and I was getting complaints all this time. and. Uh, the, the, uh, but no, look, it was, it ended up being a really good investment, to be honest. And, um, you know, Wollongong it was a market from sort of when I bought in 2012 to selling in 2017, really grew. And the only reason we did sort of sell it is um, to, so we could buy our family home. So he was living in the right place at the right time. But what drew his eye to the particular property? It was good. I, I, um, I had good tenants, uh, well, at the start and, um, 
it was it was pretty well positively geared from the start. Like I was getting good rent. Yeah, there wasn't there was a unit, so there was a bit of strata and stuff. But um, it was in a really good location near the um, the big hospital down there, five minutes from town, um, five minutes from the uni. Um, so you know, stuff that you read as a property investor, and because I was very active looking into what to do with my money, that was sort of key requisites that you needed for, for your property. And um, looking back now, I, I think, God, it was a sort of a savvy investment for that location. And I think I paid, what did I pay for it? I would have paid two, 290 and um, I, I nearly would have doubled it, which was really, yeah, really pleasing. It was only when I moved back. So I, I went and played two years for the New Zealand Warriors, 2010-11. And when I moved back, I, I didn't want to buy any property over there. And I just decided when we come back, because I was playing for the St. George Dragons, we'll, we'll buy a property down in Wollongong. And, um, that that was just the main reason I could actually go and look at the property and um, yeah um, I just like yeah I like the property and I only looked at probably three or four properties before I did buy that one but actually now yeah I actually do have a, a couple of bad stories about property investing we um, so we'll, my wife had a really good property down in Cronulla, which she uh, bought with her mother back in the day. And, um, you know, we're at a point in about 2015, we're like, we want to go and do something else. And we're talking about purchasing in Port Macquarie because I was from there and I knew the market was starting to get a bit stronger. But we, um, you know, we got put onto this guy who um, touted himself as a property investor guru and um, do everything for you. And, you know, he ended up that first property wasn't too bad. I didn't really like the guy. He was a bit um, shady. Um, and then straight away, they're pushing us into a second property and we bought that off the plan. We only were meant to put a 10% deposit in, ended up putting a 20% deposit in by the time it settled, coming under, like when it settled, the vow, like when the, it was completed, the vow coming under what it was meant to be. And we ended up selling it about three or four years later and t- factoring in, um, all, all, all the money we sort of put into it, we ended up losing about 70 grand. So, yeah, it, it ended up, you know, I've got some po- really positive property story. And the, the first one we bought was good. We ended up making some money on that, but it was less than what we sort of lost on the other one. Um, so, you know, if I had a board in Port Macquarie back when I was talk- we were talking about it, my wife and I, we could have, um, you know, made some riches because, you know, that market just went crazy over that next period of time. We wouldn't grow if we didn't make mistakes. Lattimore notes the number one rule he learnt and now always follows. You only learn from your mistakes and, you know, you, I learned to trust my gut gut instinct and um, same as my wife but, um, yeah, it was an expensive lesson. <laughs> Lattimore has owned a handful of properties throughout the years. So, how many does he have in his portfolio now? Across our journey, we had four and then uh, we ended up selling all them before we... Um, bought our family home. So, um, yeah, two, two of them really, really good investments that made us some money. And then the f- third one was a decent investment, but that was sort of cancelled out by that fourth investment. To dive further into his investment journey, he explains the investment properties he referred to earlier that didn't perform too well. They were both on the Gold Coast actually. So, yeah, one was just in like one of the, you know, how they have the estates up there. Um, but yeah, they were just, just looking back, you know, and, and this is, we were just naive and we should have did more research considering we both did with the first two, but we just trusted this guy and, you know, they were getting a, a clip on the um, the broker stuff, they were lending out the money. Um, and I don't want to say his name or the business on here because I'm not like that, but um, 
it's that comes back to us. That that was our own fault. But um, you know, for people who are listening and are watching this, you know, that's you, you got to put time into them sort of decisions and not trust other people. You got to trust yourself because at the end of the day, you're the one who's got to live with um, whatever happens. He shows how the relationships he's formed within the property world are so meaningful to him. The reason you're doing it is to make money and to build your property portfolio. And um, you know, I, I will go back into the property market again soon. And you know, now that I'm, it is my life and my industry. I'll be definitely doing it myself and putting a lot of time in that decision. In saying that, I'll work with some fantastic buyers agents and um, become mates with um, some people who are involved with companies that go and do it for you as well. So you know, there are people around me that I can. Um, go to to help me with that decision and I think now everything's a lot more regulated than back then um, and you can sort of have the confidence when you do go to someone but at the same time you've yeah, got to back your own judgment. He tells of a time he saw his hard work in property pay off and how it all got started. When I sold both the Wollongong one and the Cronulla, like the Cronulla one, we I remember we went to the auction. So one was sold like just by an agent private treaty but the other one was auction and that was the first time I've ever experienced an auction and that, that was pretty cool and it went over reserve and um, that was after I played a game on the Friday. We'd won two, so it was a good weekend. And then, yeah, went there on the Saturday morning and, you know, me and my wife had done a few renos to the property down in Cronulla and um, it was a beautiful little like, unit in a great spot and we had two kids by that point because we actually moved back into it when I moved back to play for Cronulla. Um, so just so, so we could do the work on it and get it ready to sell and, um, you know, that was definitely an aha moment when uh, you heard it go over the hand. We were like, going, did that really, is that the right price? And um, then obviously the agent come up and let us know. And uh, yeah, that, that was pretty cool. And because we literally would have sold them two properties within the space of about a month of each other. So to get two really good results was um, very satisfying. And, um, you know, it, it is a pretty cool feeling because you are making money and you, you do put a lot of time into, um, you know, paying back the mortgage and hoping that you're going to get capital growth. And uh, when you see it come out at the end and you are rewarded, it's pretty cool. After those successes, Lattimore and his family took some time away from the market to find their perfect property. Well, we actually went and rented for a year and a half because we we're, were going to sort of wait to the end of my football career to work out what we wanted to do. And, um, you know, still in my last year, we decided what to enter the property market then. So we, we, found, we, we started looking and I reckon it was only the fourth or fifth property we looked at um, in Guaymi Bay and fell in love with it. And, um, yeah, a bit of negotiating and they accepted our offer and um, yeah, it, it is a cool feeling because I've played professional sport for a long time and you know, you have the wins and losses and you know, what you feel when you get a um, property like that, it, it, it is a good win and um, you know, we love where we're living now and um, you know, obviously going to hold some fond memories bringing up the kids there. It's not very often you see NRA players turn into mortgage brokers. He explains the journey that led him here. What actually happened, so I, when I was at the Warriors, I started doing a business degree, um, transferred back to Wollongong Uni when I was playing at the Dragons in 2012, um, signed for the Panthers. So I was living in Cronulla, driving to um, Penrith for training, driving to Wollongong for uni. I did that till 2016, completed my uni degree. And at that point, um, Pepper Money were actually a sponsor of the Penrith Panthers. They were Pepper Stadium back then. Um, and I met the CEO and he was a great guy. I think actually he wasn't CEO, but he is now Mar uh, Mario. Um, 
And he sort of said, you know, do you want to come in and start doing some work in the office? So from that point, I started popping into the um, Pepper office probably once every two or three weeks and learning about, you know, mortgages and what, what, what that entailed. Because I, I, knew, I knew I'd end up in numbers somewhere, but I didn't know whether it would be mortgage broking or I, I like financial planning and, um, you know, I invest in the stock market as well. So... Uh, that, that's where I thought I would fall and um, obviously travelling from Penrith to, um, sorry, Concord to um, North Sydney where Pepper was based was okay. But then when I moved back to Canola, it was a bit of a nightmare trip. So one of my um, best mates I played football with was actually a mortgage broker at the time. And he said, why don't you start coming in and learning the ropes with us and you can just pop in on days off and, you know, see how it's done. And he was letting me look at the files and, you know, get on where the, the aggregator he was with and, you know, doing some dummy dummy runs. And I was like, man, I think this is what, what I want to do. And um, I did that for the last two years of my career. And, um, yeah, that, that's how I, I went. So the guy I actually was doing that with, he, he ended up getting out and broken about a month and a half after I retired. So I had to move business. Um but yeah, look, it's yeah, it was a it was a roller coaster first year in the mortgage broken game, but uh, obviously with COVID as well, and I hadn't built up that network, so to say, other than my close mates and my football mates who were letting me help them out. But now, you know, I'm at a point where it's going really, really well, and I'm based down in Cronulla with a um, broker called Donna Beasley, and she's um, she's on the MFWA board, and she's yeah been established for a long time, and you know, you throw a question at her, she's just born me into it straight away. She's awesome. Lattimore was very lucky to come across what he sees as an internship after studying mortgage broking and he loves learning everything he can on the topic. And, and that's the thing and this is like obviously I touched on finished my uni degree. I got, I got a, a, probably two or three education awards throughout my NRL career. Uh, I was very proactive in building that life after rugby league because I was on the fringe for a long time and um, I had a few in injuries early in my career. My, my wife was very career motivated so you know, she didn't want me sitting at home being a lazy bugger, so she sort of gave me a kick up the bum to do the study. And then, as I got older, if the kids were in like full time daycare or school, I was like, well, I'm not going to hang at home and do nothing. So I thought I'd make the use of my days off by trying to build whether that was doing another course because I, I did uh, start doing a financial planning course and then obviously did my diploma and um, my cert for in mortgage broking. So. Um, there was a real passion there as well, but no, it, it sort of was like an internship and obviously also I was going in with my mates, which I really enjoyed and obviously learning how to do mortgage broken because there is so much to learn and, you know, every day I'm learning something new. Like even today we had probably, we had three or four BDMs come through and just learning about the different policies and what the niches are for every bank. It's so interesting. Jeremy Lattimore's story continues in the next episode of Property Invest Story. Join us for part two where we'll dive into what the COVID pandemic has changed for him. I've got a bit of money tied up in the stock market. So um, obviously, that's been a roller coaster the last 12 months. Literally about this point last year, things were looking rosy and then it fell off a cliff. How his business relies on word of mouth. I helped a couple of people settle loans this week and they've already, you know, Oh, pass your number on to so and so, and you know that 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 is pleasing because you know that, that's how you build the business, and you love people telling you that you're doing a good job because sometimes you don't know if you are. <laughs> how his personal goals have translated well into his professional goals 
but he isn't perfect. I've always had goals through my rugby league career and, you know, writing things down and, you know, ma- making things become a habit. And that's next time on Property Investory. And if you love the show and are ready to get serious about investing your money to get a low risk, high return, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a money partner. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest their money for a short six months. To register interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.